you deserve to be happy, says someone in every show, at least sometime at some point, I think. That's my, uh, that's my assumption anyway. We started to notice it. Uh, when it happens, usually I'll call it out and everyone in our house will cheer like, oh, there it is. You deserve to be happy. Someone inevitably will say it. And if you're noticing it, it happens a lot. Is there any phrase that has driven more divorces or job changes or more general unhappiness than this idea that we deserve to be happy? I mean, what we deserve and why does boil down to, in some ways, why we're here, I think. Our purpose as humans, this world and our lives. And I, I think what we believe about this matters. It really matters. C.S. Lewis has this illustration. He says, you know, imagine if, a, uh, we, if you know, we were this set of people living all in the same building. And half of the people living in this building thought that the building was a hotel and the other half of the people thought the building was a prison. What difference it would make in terms of their perspective. Because the people who think that it, it's a hotel, they might regard it as quite intolerable, he says. <laughs> and those who thought it was a prison might be, you know, find it surprisingly comfortable for being a prison. And so he writes, what seems to be the ugly doctrine is the one that comforts and strengthens you in the end. He says, if you think of this world as a place intended simply for our happiness, you find it quite intolerable. Think of it as a place of training and correction, and it's not so bad. We are deep in our sermon series, Mythbusters. We're debunking Christian myths, things we were told, things we believed, things that, uh, that we've wrestled about through our life of faith and come to recognize, you know, maybe weren't quite as we thought they were. And our myth that we're dealing with today is the myth that your purpose in life is to be happy. And I don't know if it's an overtly Christian myth, but it definitely is a cultural myth that I think Christians have appropriated and believe wholeheartedly. Your purpose in life is to be happy. Our passage this morning that we're springing from is John 17, verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. See, the purpose in life of life is to know Yahweh. And it's only here that we're truly happy, in knowing Yahweh. Yahweh. This is the purpose. What do we deserve is an interesting question, and it's kind of the thing that gets wrestled out. C.S. Lewis again says, a right to happiness sounds to me as odd as a right to good luck. For I believe whatever one school of moralists may say, that we depend for a very great deal of our happiness or misery on circumstances outside all human control. A right to happiness doesn't, for me, make much more sense than a right to be six feet tall or to have a millionaire for your father or to get good weather whenever you want to have a picnic. It is interesting, isn't it, if you think about it, uh, this, this claim to this right, that this deserving, that we deserve 
happiness. You know, our, our Instagram memes and our quotes reveal the depth of our belief in this. If you go, if you go scanning or probably you've come across many of them before, maybe you even have some on your Instagram wall or your virtual wall or whatever it is, your Pinterest board. I don't know what you subscribe to, but, but you know, many, many uh, things just like this. Make your happiness a priority. Make your happiness a priority. Or you deserve to be happy. You deserve to live a life you are excited about. Don't let others make you forget that. Or you deserve to be happy just as much as anyone else. Focus on what the heart needs and happiness will surely follow. Or one of my favorites, you deserve to be happier than you are. Could any phrase be more designed to make you unhappy than this one? You deserve to be happier than you are. Just think about it, man. Or respect yourself enough to walk away from anything that no longer serves you, grows you, or makes you happy. Just walk away. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter your commitment. Anything that no longer serves you, grows you, or makes you happy. Or lastly, you of all people deserve a happy ending. You of all people deserve a happy ending. We're not even quite sure what that is means or looks like but it sure sounds good now the bible (laughs) doesn't say anything like this in fact it it does talk a lot about what we deserve but maybe not in the way you'd expect job 34 11 says he repays everyone for what they've done he brings on them what their conduct deserves Jeremiah 17, 10, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. Or Jeremiah 32, 19, their eyes are open to the ways of all mankind. You reward each person according to their conduct and as their deeds deserve. (laughs) Now, if we took just a few minutes to honestly assess what our deeds deserve, what our conduct deserves, we might not come up with happiness as the thing that we all collectively deserve as people. It might actually be very different, a different thing entirely that we deserve. Uh, The book of Ezra is uh, about the people of Israel in exile, and it says in chapter 9, what has happened to us is a result of our evil deeds and our great guilt. And yet, our God, you have punished us less than our sins deserve and have given us a remnant like this. Less than our sins deserve. Maybe what we deserve isn't happiness, it's something else entirely. And maybe not just about the good things we've done, but also the bad. Or Psalm 103.10 says he do, about God, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Something that we will need to pay for. Thankfully, we haven't all received what we deserved. Maybe we need to think about it differently. So if it's not If it's not about what we deserve, hopefully we can set that aside since it might not be happiness that we deserve. Maybe we should ask the question, you know, what is our purpose? What is our purpose then? One uh, joke talks about our purpose. It's that God in creation created the dog and he said, you know, to the dog, I want you to sit by the door all day and I want you to bark 
or sit on the porch all day and bark at, at everyone who goes by. And, um, and for this, I'm going to give you a lifespan of 20 years. And the dog thought about it and said, you know, well, 20 years, that's a long time to be barking. Could I just take 10 and give you back 10? And God said, okay, sure. And then uh, God created the monkey and said to the monkey, I want you to entertain people. I want you to do tricks. I want you to make them laugh. And for this, I'm going to give you a lifespan of 20 years. And the monkey said, you know, wow, that's a long time to entertain people. Uh, could I just do what the dog did and take 10 years and give you 10 back? And God said, sure. And then God created the cow and said to the cow, you must go out into the field with the farmer all day long and suffer under the sun and have calves and, and give milk to support the farmer's family. And for this, I'm going to give you a lifespan of 60 years. And the cow said, well, that's a long time to be slaving out in the sun for and working so hard. Maybe could, could I do what they did and just take 20 years and, and give you back 40? And God said, sure. And then God made man. And uh, God said, you know, I want you to eat and sleep and play and be merry and enjoy your life. And for this, I'll give you 20 years. And man said, well, 20 years, that's not very long. I, you know, could you maybe give me my 20 and then I'll take the 40 the cow, you know, gave up. And then also the 10 from the monkey and the 10 from the dog. That sounds pretty good. And that would be 80 years. And so, uh, so maybe we could do that. And, uh, and God said, okay. And this is why our first 20 years, we eat and sleep and play and enjoy ourselves. And for the next 20 years, 40 years, we slave in the sun to support our family. And for the next 10 years, we do monkey tricks to entertain the grandkids. And for the last 10 years, we sit on the porch and bark at people going by. And thus, life, the meaning of life is explained to you. The Dalai Lama said the purpose of life is to be happy. Audrey Hepburn agrees. She says the most important thing is to enjoy your life, to be happy. It's all that matters. It's all that matters. I think if your purpose in life is the pursuit of happiness, you're going to come up empty. Studies uh, there's a study conducted and written down in a, a blog uh, called uh, Cosmo and Culture by Tanya Lombroso. Lombroso. Uh, she says, studies conducted in the U.S. have consistently found that actively seeking happiness can backfire. Those who strongly value and pursue happiness are more likely to feel disappointed about their own feelings, to report loneliness, and to have depressive symptoms. See, the Bible paints a very different picture for the purpose of humans on earth than happiness is all that matters. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Or Romans 12.1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Or Isaiah 43.21, the people whom I form for myself, that they might declare my praise. God says, or Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I mean, glory, worship, 
praise, good works. Nowhere here do we see happiness as being the thing. Happiness isn't mentioned. Our inalienable right to blissful cheer, it's not there. Your purpose in life is not to pursue happiness, it's to pursue God. It's to pursue God. This gets laid out in the garden story. You know, our biggest question, I I really believe, is not how many years old the earth is. I don't think that's our big question. And I don't think it's a debate about evolutionary development or carbon dating or global floods. It's not a science question, our big question. Our big question is, why are we here? Why are we here? And the Genesis story tells us about a world that was made for humans and humans made in the image of the designer, made to work and to cultivate and to care and to have dominion, to reproduce. And these people were made to glorify their creator who loved them, to live worship, to live it out in all that they were doing. C.S. Lewis says it this way, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That's why it's just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us a happiness and a peace apart from himself because it's not there. There is no such thing. Of course, the first story of creation, after creation, I should say, is about us trying to find it on, on our own, some other way. We, we disobey and we eat forbidden fruit and we hide and we seem so happy, don't we? In the story of Adam and Eve and the fall. Read it again if you think that. Jesus prays in John 17, verse 3. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Real life is knowing God. Perpetual, everlasting, eternal life is to know Jesus. The the ancient theologians say this same thing. John Calvin in the Institutes of Christian Religion says, we are not to look to what men in themselves deserve, but to attend to the image of God which exists in all and to which we owe all honor and love. Or the Puritan preacher Thomas Brooks says, God is the author of all true happiness. He's the donor of all true happiness. He that hath him for his God, for his portion, is the only happy man in the world. Or English evangelist John Wesley said, when we first know Christ, then it is that happiness begins. Happiness, real, solid, substantial. So Lewis, Calvin, Brooks, Wesley, and Jesus all say the same thing. 
You won't find happiness, meaningful, abundant life apart from Jesus. It's just not there to find. Maybe the problem is that we are far too easily pleased. We might even know this to be true, and still as Christians, we struggle, don't we? I've told you this story. I'm sure I've told you this story uh, years ago when I, we very first went to Disneyland. Our kids were a lot younger. Uh, I think, um, you know, they were quite little. I know Miriam wasn't born yet, and so uh, and Lauren was pregnant, and so that kind of puts the ages, if you know our kids' ages, uh, into context. Um, and I can remember going down there. We were going to stay at the hotel that was within walking distance. And we got to the hotel. And so our, our first day at Disneyland would start the next morning. And so we decided, we were so excited, we'd drive around Disneyland and look and see, you know, what we could see. And mostly, if you've ever done that, it's just a wall. And there's a few buildings, you know, you can't really see anything. So, uh, but we were excited. And so we went to sleep and we woke up early the next morning. We got all our stuff packed, our backpacks and got our strollers and you know, Mayel was quite little, and um, and so I'm sure she was in a stroller. I can't remember exactly, but uh, so we got all of our stuff, and we started walking to Disneyland. And as if you've ever done this, you know that early in the morning on probably every day this happens, that people are walking to Disneyland. And so there are people coming from all over and different families with kids, and you all kind of give each other this knowing looks as you see each other walking to Disneyland. There's this palpable excitement. And uh, the kids were so excited and we got up, you know, across the street to where Disneyland is and, and we got into our first line. And the first line is for the secure, to go through security. And so we all lined up and, and waited our turn to go through the security checkpoint where they check through our bags and, you know, check all the stuff. And we get through the, through the security line and then you're kind of in a, in a big open, very, very big open kind of courtyard um, between buildings. And on the one side is California Adventure and on the other side is Disneyland. And so we were going to Disneyland. So we went over and we got into a line. There's all these lines starting and uh, quite long already. And so we got into the line and we, we, we waited. And uh, people are chatting. People are excited. This is before COVID. And so people talk to each other. And, um, and so suddenly Disneyland opened and the line began to move. And we got all the way down to the to the checkout or the the ticket counter and she asked me for my tickets and I gave them to her and she scanned each one and then she gave us uh, a bunch of maps and some some materials and I handed them out to the kids and took my tickets back and she said welcome to Disneyland and we walked in and the very first thing when you walk into Disneyland is a big Disneyland sign and there's all these people getting pictures there it's so exciting everyone's so excited and we were so excited and uh, Andrew was there with us too, and we, so we went up. Um, we were going to walk up the 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 way into Disneyland, and so we started walking, and we were super excited. And suddenly, as we I, I looked around, I realized we didn't have Gabe. Gabe was about around five, I think, and um, and he 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 wasn't anywhere to be seen. And so I turned around and I ran back down the path. And as I came around the bend, there was Gabe walking in the same direction we'd been walking. So he started out with us, but he, he just walks, he was walking slowly and he was at his head in his map and he was walking very slowly. And so I, I came up to him, I said, Gabe, Gabe, you know, what, what are you doing? You almost got lost. And he looked up at me and he said, dad, 
have you seen this? And I said, seen what, Gabe? You could have gotten lost. You need to stay with us. He said, this is so cool. And I looked at what he was pointing at, and he was pointing at the pictures on the map of different rides at Disneyland. And so I said, Gabe, Gabe, that thing on your map is right over there. And I pointed to the actual ride that we could see now. That is right there. This is Disneyland. What, like, don't look, look up here. Don't look in there. And he just looked at me and then he, he just kept walking. But he, had his, he put his head back. Oh, he just thought it was the coolest thing, the map. And it struck me in that moment how much that's like us in life, isn't it? I mean, how often are we satisfied with a 2D facsimile of the real thing that's waiting for us? the true joy. C.S. Lewis expresses it this way. He says, we are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday by the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Isn't that true of us? And so I guess my question for you and for me today is, have you settled? Have I settled? Are we content with less? With eternity and and everlasting joy and glory waiting, have we settled for less? I mean, the truth is, if you really wanted to be earthly happy, I don't know if Christianity is the way to go. I don't know if it's the way to go. I mean, you could just drink a bottle of port. You could smoke a cigar. You could get a job promotion. You could leave the wife of of your youth for a younger model. You could leave your argumentative husband and take a trip around the world. You could sleep in more. You could binge watch your favorite show. You could eat more baby back ribs. Stuff your face. Stuff your feelings whatever makes you happy. But it won't last. That I can promise you. It will not last. The euphoria is gone and you're looking again, hungry for something that will last, that will meet the deep desire in your heart. So maybe the real question is, should be, what, what we per, about what we pursue for purpose. It's not just about happiness and where we find it, but it's about what we're pursuing for purpose. So if the love of money is the root of evil, I, I can see the, the, the pursuit of happiness as being a, a root of pain or sadness. What are we meant to pursue? What are we meant to, to, to live for? 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 says this, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Jesus died so that you could be happy. Not happy pursuing your own interests, but his 
happy laying down your life, happy finding satisfaction in knowing him. This is where we find real and lasting happiness. So in conclusion, the purpose of life is to know Yahweh. This is where we are truly happy. Only here are we truly happy. So we reject the myth that the purpose of life is the pursuit of happiness, that this is somehow what we deserve or why we're here. It's just about your happiness. Christians have never defined themselves as simply pursuers of happiness, although I would argue that some of them are the happiest people, some of the happiest people. But they've defined themselves as pursuers of Jesus. When we really examine the evidence, we'll all agree that maybe we should hope we don't get what we deserve because that's not happiness we're talking about when we talk about what we deserve. Secondly, we have a purpose we were made for and the purpose we were made for is to glorify God, to worship him, to live worship. And in the garden story, we see we are made for happiness in Yahweh, but we rebelled, we sought our own way, and we've been unhappy ever since, haven't we? Our theologians agree that our happiness can only be fulfilled in Jesus. And of course, we have reasons why we resist, don't we? Maybe the biggest reason is simply that we've settled for less. We do settle for less. For a lesser temporary happiness for a smaller facsimile of the real and abundant life Jesus offers. Let's pray.